Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Individually members one of another. So I'd like you to look to the person next to you or in front of you. Do you look anything like them? Still makes you a child of God. Does it not? So every single one of us are so different, and God is so unique that even our fingerprints are different. Every snowflake is different. Hey, I struggle to make a different meal every week, let alone have a different snowflake or different personalities. But God has done that on purpose so that we can fit together, work together, and make the body together. Imagine if we were all just a mouth. Heaven help us. Or it would be quite nice if we were all just ears. But he's brought us together. There'd be nobody to talk to. So Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, and these are the ones I'm going to hone on this evening. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's the key. I always say, if you don't use it, you lose it. It, Ladies, if you're looking in your closet and you're not sure, the answer is lose it. If in doubt, chuck it out, just four. But here he says, use them. We are, he's commissioned us. It's a command, not a suggestion. Use the gift I've given you. If prophecy in proportion of your faith, if service in your serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, let him lead with zeal, and the one who acts of mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. There are the seven motivational gifts. And he's saying, if it's this one, then use it like this. If it's this one, then use it like this, but use it. And how can you use something if you don't know you've even got it? So that's how I hope this evening we can just broaden your knowledge. And again, I'm not putting you in a box. And people have asked me, does your gift change? It doesn't say in Scripture it does, and it doesn't say it doesn't. All I know is I don't have a psychotic father. And why would he give me something just to take it away? So I am in the frame of mind is if your gift is exhortation and you used to entertain a lot and you don't want it today, doesn't mean that your, what God has made inside has changed. That still motivates you. You just don't want to do the same things you used to do. So that a lot of people are taking that gift and comparing it to what they do and don't do. So here are the seven gifts. There's the prophecy, servant, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, and mercy. So in the church, if you have a prophetically motivated, this is not the ministry gifts, okay? Motivational. If you have a person that has a prophetic prophetic motivation where everything that motivates them is through a prophetic um, motivation, they want the biblical standard to remain in the church. They will be black and white and they will tell you to watch out for the wolves. We're going to stay at the door and check and see who comes and what their motives are and why they're here. The server is going to come into the church and go, How can I help? How can I prepare? What can I do? If that's your motivation. The teacher wants wants to have Bible-based, everything's got to be taught through a Bible-based 
expository. They like to expound. The exhorter is the one that's going to come in and say, I want to make sure that you're going to have different ministries, counseling, support, so that people can change and grow. So can you see how all are important? The giver is going to want to know, how much is this going to cost? And where is it going to come from? Basically, and they will usually contribute. Then you have the leader who has the overall plan of everything so it can be carried out smoothly. Then you have the mercy person who's warm, caring, and wants to make sure that this is a nurturing family. So put all those seven giftings together, what do you have? A phenomenally strong church. And that's what I love. When I was preparing this, I had to redo this whole manual. So thank you, Sue, for last minute putting it together for me today. It was supposed to be color, but our um, photocopy machine is deciding to print blue and blue only. So we went black and white and gray. But if you can put all of that together, imagine when you all know what your function is and you know, hey, I'm, when Rod and I walk into a building, he's servant motivated, I'm mercy motivated. He's going to look, make sure everything's sorted out. I'm going to go and hug everybody so everything gets done. And then we come together again. So if we are going to plant a new church or build a new church, here's what each one would probably emphasize. So tell me who this person would be. Well-prepared sermons exposing sin, proclaiming righteousness and warning of judgment to come. Prophetic motive. That's the prophetic person. This next one, oh, no, we're going to need practical assistance to each member of the church to encourage him and help him fulfill his responsibilities. Servant. Practical assistance to each member. I want to make sure that everything's in place and done well so everybody else can look good. In-depth Bible studies with special emphasis on this precise meaning of words. Teacher. You'll usually find a true teacher will give you Greek, Hebrew, meaning. The exhorter couldn't care too hoots just as long as I get the message to you and I'll give you scripture my way. The teacher, I've got to look at it from the amplified, the this, the this. And we're all different. It's okay. I, I love to teach, but I get frustrated with the teacher-motivated person who puts in too many scriptures. I love scripture, trust me. But I'm like, just paraphrase it and give us a story, but read the scripture. You don't have to read every single scripture. We're all different. Okay, this person personal counseling and encouragement for each member to assist him in applying scriptural principles on a daily basis. Who would that be? The exhorter. They want to exhort people to get from one place to another. Encourager, the same thing. The next person wants generous programs, financial assistance to missionaries and other ministries. The giver. The next one wants special outreach, concern, precise varying feelings for individuals, readiness to meet needs, and wants to make sure that everybody has been led in the right direction. Leader. This person smooth running organization throughout the church and making sure that everybody feels love and accepted. Mercy. Mercy. Okay, so the seven gifts within the church, 
this is what will happen. Just say somebody, just say Kathy now is serving dessert and it drops all over the floor. How would a prophetic person probably respond? That's what happens if you're not careful. <laughs> that's usually a prophetic motive is they want to explain, well, that's what happens because you weren't, you weren't very careful or they'll give you that explanation. Okay, which God's teaching you a lesson. <laughs> what kind of person is this? Oh, let me help you clear it up. Servant motive. They want to fulfill a need. The prophetic wants to correct your life, tell you why. Like, I, I don't know why. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I knew why. Okay, who's this person? The reason that you fell is because it was too heavy on one side. Teacher, I want you to discover why it happened. Kathy, pick your feet up. <laughs> the next one. Next time, let's serve the dessert with the meal. That's the exhorter encourager. They want to correct the future. Make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, what's this person? Sue, get the mop. Rod, get the dustpan. Maria, go make another plan and find another dessert. That's the administrator. But can you see... Honestly, this will help you understand your spouse and your children. It's not that one is wrong. It's different. Our responses are different. And that's how we are all going to respond in the body of Christ. And if we understand this, we'll work better together rather than against each other. Okay, who's this person? Oh, don't feel bad. It could happen to anyone. Mercy. Where you want to rescue them. We want to relieve embarrassment. Okay, so seven different people go to a hospital to visit someone. <laughs> Who's this? Do you have unforgiveness in your life? Is that why you're sick? <laughs> Who's the pointer? I want to point out why you're sick, maybe. Correct? And it frustrates me sometimes when people do that. I'm like, where's your mercy? Where's your... But they genuinely... All right, who's the story? I'll take care of everything at home. Your lawn will be mowed. I'll make sure you have gas in the car. Servant. The next one. Oh, I've researched your illness online, and I can tell you exactly. I Googled it. <laughs> I Googled it. Not just one. Who's that? Teacher. You see the difference? Next one. How can this experience help you and others in life? Encourager, exhorter. See that, and not, none are wrong. It's just if it's not in your lane, you look at it like, where did you come from? Yeah. Next one, all your responsibilities are covered. I've got two people to take over your position. It's sorted, and this person is doing this, and that person's doing that. Leader. Do you see how we need? No, here's the other one. Who's going to, will your medical insurance cover this? Who's that? The giver. Then the other one, oh, my heart goes out to you and your family. But do you see how all of them are important? We cannot make one more important than the other. And let me just give you a little hint. Who knows best at what's best for you, your character, your personality, and your future. 
Who knows your beginning, your middle, and your end? So if God decides, and you don't like it, too bad, too sad. If God decides to give you a Ferrari and you a Merc and you, they all get you to a place, you can't stop and go, I want rods. I don't like mine anymore. We've got to accept who and what God made us and work with him because he knows us best. How many of you are with your children when they want something and you're like, I don't think so. Why? Because you know it's not good for them. Correct? It's no good taking your child who is very creative, loves to paint, loves to play music and tell them, I'm sending you to university, you're going to be a doctor. It's not fair. Or vice versa, someone who has all the potential to be a doctor, but their gifting is somewhere else. We want to put everybody in a box because it makes us look good. It's not about me. It's about making him look good. All right. The seven gifts were all manifest with Jesus. He was the only one that operated out of all seven. Then he died on the cross and shared them out with us. So I'm just going to read them quickly. Is Jesus acted in prophecy where he rebuked the money changers. He washed the, the um, disciples' feet. He was a servant. He taught. Everywhere he went, he taught. He dealt with the rich young ruler that, and gave him instructions. That was the exhorter. He laid down his life freely. That was the giver. Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. That's the leader and the organizer. Am I going in order here? Jesus showed mercy to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. So he was in every single one of these. You see Jesus operated in them. And then we see in Scripture that what was a servant, if you ever look at Mary, she, you can see she was, was the mother of Jesus. Martha, too, was also referred to as the servant. Mercy was the good Samaritan in the Bible. Teacher, Paul. I don't know where you'd put Paul, actually. I struggle. I've read through. Paul, you could put him in all seven. He was hard. He had mercy. He was a teacher. He, so heaven knows. I'm trying to figure out me. So, um, Then you have the exhorters, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So Barnabas, we know that his role was, he played a significant role in the early church to draw alongside each other. The giver was the widow's might. You see in the scripture there, leader, Peter was a leader. And you have a look. I'm not going to give you all the scriptures because we want to get through quite a bit. In the prophetic motivation, we see Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist do? Always pointing the way. I do, however, want you to know that the ministry gifts of prophet and apostle is very different today in the New Testament, the New Covenant, than it was in the Old. In the Old Testament, the prophets and the apostles, the, they were to write down the Word of God, to get the Word of God into a written mode, which has been done. And the prophets were to declare the coming of Jesus Christ and what was going to happen. Do we need the apostles and prophets to write the Scriptures today? It's done. So that part of their function is over. Do we need the prophets to tell us Jesus is coming and what's going to happen in the earth? It's done. 
So we have to realize, is their role functionable still? Absolutely. But it's in a different function. So you want to go and find out more about that? Go to Google. Go to your Bible. <laughs> it's very interesting to see the difference between the Old Testament prophets and apostles and the New Testament. It's, you cannot make them the same. And unfortunately, a lot of the prophets today think they are operating as they were in the Old Testament. And I have on the very first page here, have you all got this book? So I'm going to encourage you to write your name so that because if there's about 60 of them out there, they all look the same. And then if you can, when you fill this in at home, do it in pencil. And I'm going to tell you why, because you don't just do this alone. You're going to do this at home on your own, put in pencil, then do it with your spouse or a good friend, because we have blind spots. And you're going to see that there are the 10 most common abuses of spiritual gifts. Read that when you get home. Because a lot of the gifts in the past have been used for manipulation. How do you know the difference between manipulation and motivation? Do you want to know? Manipulation is when I benefit. Motivation is when you and everybody else benefits. And unfortunately, I have been under a lot of the prophetic manipulative strategies in the past. Rod and I, we were dating. I don't know if we were engaged, but we were at a church and they wanted us to go to YWAM. And at that time, YWAM did not allow couples. So their advice to Rod and I is you need to break up and go as individuals, go your own way. And I was like, heck no. So, and that was the word from the Lord. But thank God, Ron and I knew. I was like, the, the price is too high at that stage. Still is today. But I thank God I didn't act on that. And that's what's happened is a lot of people, because they want something so bad, they'll tell you God says. Be very careful. I'd rather say I'm sensing, I have an intuition, and make sure that you have other people there to hold you accountable because then we won't have so many of these words out there. If you have a personal word for someone, make sure a leader is there to check it with you. Amen? So you've got to be careful of that. So please read through those when you get home so that you can see so you don't fall in the ditch. Um, also, this beware where people are after the gifts and the manifestations rather than the gift giver. We can worship worship rather than worship God Almighty. We can worship signs, wonders, and miracles and be seeking after signs, wonders, and miracles rather than seeking the giver of the signs, wonders, and miracles. Big difference. And a lot of people want certain gifts. Why? Because it's going to make them look good. This has got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with him and how he wants to operate through me to others. Okay. How to discover your spiritual gifts in order to live a more purposeful life. And that's what I have entitled this here. And we're going to go through this. Just so that when you get home, 
sit down on your own and don't take 20 minutes on each question that's up here. You take a look at it, read it, and it goes, zero is never. I never do that. Number one, seldom. Number two, sometimes. Three, usually. Four, mostly. Five, all the time. Some of these questions you'll think, oh, well, they're repeating. It's in different wording, but it's for you to find out. It's there for a reason. Then on the back part, you can see the challenges that go with your motivational gift. Yes, so on that line, you write the number. Quickly identifies good and evil, hates evil, five. Five points there. Then the next one, and then you add it all up and you put your total at the bottom. And then you do the next, on the next page. These challenges is just to show you, like I'm gonna read, I'm mercy motivated, so let me read my things that I have to be careful of. A tendency to be indecisive. Well, that, I don't, that's not me. This is just some of them. Uh, afraid to say no, that used to be me. And that's why I love doing this now because I can see how I've grown. Tends to be guided by emotions rather than logic. Uh, letting people take advantage of your kindness. These are things that if you have a mercy motive, you've got to be careful of and you can't blame others for it because you allow it. Another one. Um, difficulty setting boundaries, potentially leading to be over-affected by the pain and suffering of others. Sometimes a mercy-motivated person can feel the pain for someone else so much that now we've got two pains instead of one. When you're supposed to be to, there to help the problem, not double it. You got that? Does that help you? Let's go to some of, let's go to the prophetic. And let's look at some of the, I called them challenges. A lot of um, things that you do will call them weaknesses. I don't like the word weakness. It's a challenge. Weakness kind of makes you feel you failed before you even started. A challenge is give me a challenge. I can do this. We can conquer together. Okay, the prophetically motivated person can be very judgmental and blunt. They can come across as harsh. So that's where it's so good to have a mercy-motivated person and a prophetically-motivated person to go and counsel someone together. Is you can do the one side of love and I'll do the other side of love and together we get the job done. Correct? Take three softies with you and you're going to have a, a little bit of an issue there. All right, what's the other ones? They forget to praise the partial progress due to goal consciousness. And this is where <laughs> the prophetic, um, the prophetically motivated person in a church can be very frustrating to the pastor. Very frustrating, and I'll tell you why. Because the pastor is here on the ground, tending the sheep, moving them slowly, going after the ones that stray. Where's the prophet? He's already out here. He's like, come on. So you get here, and guess where the prophet is now? He's over here. So you can never quite catch up. So you've got to get the prophet to say, hey, the true prophet, if you look at the characteristics of the prophet in the scriptures, a prophet doesn't just come in, prophesy, declare, and leave. He stays. 
He lives with the people, massages it into the people. The same with the teacher. We've got the whole thing mixed up. They don't just breeze in, give a word and breeze out, have no accountability, not making sure that what's being said is actually happening and giving legs to it. So we've got to bring the body back to reality. And I'm sorry to tell you, if you have a religious concept of Jesus has got everything under control and Jesus is just going to do everything, I don't have to do anything or learn anything, you're very wrong. You are a religious leader that is full of religion. God says, as a man plans his ways, I plan my ways, he directs my steps. Yes, he does have things under control, but we are human beings, are we not? So we have to do our part and God does his part. Because I know a lot of people are like, no, God's got this. We don't need this. Oh, no, God's. We went to um, a lady who, they, she needed a job. And for three months, my sister and I went to visit her. And have you got a job yet? No. Are you looking? No, God's going to provide. Three months. So when it was her birthday, I got the newspaper and I wrapped it in the job finder, her gift. <laughs> And I said to her, you're getting a double gift. You're getting the gift that's inside, and you can look for a job. That's how silly we get in our Christian walk. Take responsibility. Take the gift that God has given you, and let's start using it. Amen? So let's have a look at some of the... Let's go to the teacher challenges. They can neglect the practical application of truth. You can sometimes find that a teacher will give you a lot of information and very little personal illustrations because they so just want to get the truth in you. Then you'll find the exhorter going, can you please just give some practical examples in your message so that people know how to take this home, apply it, and change their lives? The prophet's going, I'm just going to tell you what to do, tell you like it is, here's God's word. So can you see how we need the whole body to work together? Can any of you start to see what's stirring inside of you? Don't try and, I was not going to put teacher and put it at the back. Don't look at it and go, oh, yes, I want to be a teacher. So I'm going to make, yes, five, four. Maybe just block that out and fill it in. I was going to do that and stick it on the back. But then I thought, no, then I'd really confuse you all. Have an open heart and an open mind and get others to do it with you. There was, it's like I'm going to use an example. On one of the, um, what do they call it again? The challenges on a servant side is they can tend to be so busy serving and doing everything else everywhere else that when they come home, it's exhausting and that's the last thing that gets done. So Rod said, when Rod did his, he said, I wasn't so high on the servant side. This time, I said, well, let's go through it together. I said, Rod, you put here a two. I'd give you a five. Then he went, and then there was some on mine where I said, no, I gave myself a three. He says, no, I'd give you a five for that. So sometimes we see ourselves and we think, but it's good to have someone else next to us going, no, your heart is constantly, I mean, he does jobs at home. He really does. We were just going through a really busy time at the building and everything was building. And that was all of you, Tom, um, you, everybody. Look, look how he's looking at me. 
I'm not saying now, I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> so do it with your spouse or a very, if you don't have a spouse, do it with a good friend and just check with your um, family too and ask them some of these questions and then have a look. Okay, I want to go to some of the challenges. Who'd want, which other one do you want to look at? Oh yeah, I'll do that at the end. Let's go to the exhorter. They can interrupt others in their eagerness to give advice or opinion because they so badly want to help them and nobody's asked for the advice. And it's the same with a servant. A servant can be, it's so funny when I go to my son in Aspen. Caitlin, our son's wife, is a servant of servants. Rod is a servant of servants. You must see these two together. No, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. No, I'm doing it. No, I'm doing it. That's my kitchen. <laughs> it's hilarious. I just stand there. I'm like, well, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I love this. So that's how you can tend to want to overhelp. It's not a bad thing, but it can become, do you see, a, a, a mercy-motivated person. I can care more than the person cares. So we all have these challenges. Okay, the exhorter, they may use scripture out of context just to make a point. Outspoken, they can become very independent and overconfident. So these are just some of the things to look out for. Let's go to, let's go to the giver. Ooh, the forgiver can tend to focus on temporal needs rather than spiritual values. And it's, I love it because in our, with our finance team, we have Lady Lisa who's constantly, and I thank God for her. If we didn't have, I mean, we know, go, go through money bags, go through money bags, check with Lisa. We need that. And also, here's another one. Overextending yourself financially by giving too much, causing financial strain on your own house. You can't give outside of the strength of your home. I mean, unless there are times when God says, do it, and I've, it's an act of faith, but when it's continually like that. You can be taken advantage by people. You can neglect your own financial well-being and your family's needs. So I am going to go to the back here. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of time to go through this. So you can find your mot motivational gift here. What you do is you go through all the questionnaires in pencil, because I'm telling you, when you do it in years to come, you're going to see the areas that you weren't so strong. The object of this is one is going to motivate you. Everything you do will be out of that motive. But we are to grow and we are to operate in all seven. We are all called to serve. We are all called to teach. We are all called to exhort. Doesn't exempt you. It's just one of them is prominent that motivates you to do all the others. So you put your score in there. If you're a prophet, were you more in the 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 teacher? And then you'll see which is the highest. And usually that is the one if you're not sure, go over it again. This is not a you have to have it done by next week thing. But it's good for you to find out what motivates you. You will understand you a whole lot more.
and you will understand your spouse a whole lot more. So does this help you a little? So I'm going to ask all of you, which whatever one that you think you are, just think. Go to that one right now. So you have the prophet, servant, teacher, exhorter, giver, leader, and mercy. Go to the one that you think you are and just quickly go over your... Jerry, which one do you think you are? The giver. And this could be interesting because sometimes... You are a giving person, but it's not necessarily your motivation. Let's have a look at the giver. Rod is a given. The giver, the positives, they give money and possessions freely and of their time, and they love to see others motivated to give and meet their needs. They love to give quietly without anyone knowing about it. They want to feel a, a part of the work that's contributed to them. Kathy, which one do you think you are? Which one? Servant, I think so too. Let's go to your servant. Bill, which one do you think you are? Okay, here's the servant. Readily recognizes practical needs and quick to meet them. Especially enjoys manual projects. A detailed person, usually a meticulous housekeeper. Meticulous meaning clean. <laughs> Remembers people's likes and dislikes. Enjoying, enjoys being a host or hostess. Loves to serve guests. Maria, which one do you think you are? Organizer. Exhorter. Let's have a look at the exhorter. Fred, which one do you think you are? Servant. Okay, the exhorter loves to teach and encourage others to live victoriously. They want a visible response when teaching or speaking. Prefers to apply truth rather than research it. Is I'll, I'll study for a bit, but I'd rather go and apply it. They avoid systems of information that lack practical application. They enjoy working with those who are eager to follow steps of action. Okay. Ian, what did you say? You didn't. Which one do you think you are, Barry? Teacher. Definitely. And you, Joan? Not sure. You can be not sure. Servant. It's going to be interesting, and the reason I'm asking you this is because sometimes the one you think you are, and you have a look at other characteristics, like for me, I am very strong prophetic, but that's not my motive. I'm, I'm mercy motivated, but I have that prophetic edge. So it's good for you to, that's why I'm asking you, it's so good for you to go, I think I'm this, and you go, hang, I might be this. So it's to keep an open mind. Kathy, what do you think you are? Good, so you can have a look. Flip. Exhorted, definitely. And the amazing thing is you are a counselor, and exhorters love to counsel. They want to give you steps. Let me give you, a teacher will just teach you and walk off. They've given you information. The exhorter wants to take that and go, but I'm going to walk you through it. 
You see, and I don't mind counseling. I don't mind one-on-one counseling. I like crisis counseling. Come to me with your crisis, but I don't want to sit with you forever. I'll point you and send you to flip or send you to someone else. I'm not going to sit week in and week out with you. Somebody else is going to love to do that. That's going to drain the hang out of me. It's so funny because with Rod and I, we did a lot of premarital counseling before, and I could watch my poor husband. We'd start out the first session, and by the ninth, he's like, how many more? (laughs) It's just, if it's not your gifting, don't force it. There's somebody in the body who is passionate to do that. And I find if we are too busy filling holes, the person that is supposed to be doing it will never do it because we're constantly in the way and just doing everything. I'd rather have everybody do one thing well than 10 things not so well. So what are we gonna do next week? I want you to take these home and in pencil, go over them. If you get stuck, it doesn't matter. You can ask, you can message me, I can help you. It's very, very self-explanatory. If you don't understand a word, just go to the dictionary, Google dictionaries. But I've tried to make it as simple as possible and practical as possible. Then next week we're going to find out. Yes. Every one of them. I would do it. Do it on your own first in pencil. Do your score. Then sit down with your spouse and go. Okay, or a friend. And go, just how, and then, because you'll go, no, you, they go, oh, really, yeah. Both. <laughs> if you give yourself a three and she says it's a five, go with four. <laughs> but it's good to do it with someone else so that they, because we can see we all have blind spots or we all think one way and it's different. So what we're going to do is come back next week and just, go over these, and then what we're going to do is a practical, and I hope you all come back. I had a a dream that nobody came next week, (laughs) and it was Rod and I. (laughs) I know, it was. So what we're going to do next week, and I want you to try and plan, I want you to get into groups of two, three, or four, not just on your own, and I want you to plan. You're going to have five minutes to get with your little groupie, and to find out what do we want to do. Do we want to find out this week if the um, police station would love us on Wednesday to bring them a meal or to bring them cookies or bring them dessert? What is it? Or are we going to just go down to the hospital here at hospice, take our guitar and go and sing one song, find out who'd like to hear Amazing Grace or who would like to just be prayed for? Or are you going to go to Publix Jerry, and do what? (laughs) I think you should do it again and see what the response is. (laughs) Or do you just feel you need to go down the streets and pray over our area? And if God lays someone in your heart, pray for them. Or if you need to stop at a particular house without going in and just pray over that home. Or whatever God leads you to do if you just feel you need to walk around the area here. If you feel you need to stay in the building, that's fine, but we're going to do something. And the last time we went, I remember Samuel went and he said that the Lord told him, go and get eight Energade drinks. So he did. Eight Energades. 
7-Eleven. What is it? The Gatorade. Sorry. I know. Can you believe it? Gatorade. Sorry. <laughs> and he walked and prayed, saw nobody, came into the building 10 minutes before we were all going to meet and thought, well, I've missed it. So he went to the back. This was still the disabled American veterans, and they're having a meeting, and there were eight of them back there. And he said, would you guys like something to drink? And they were going, we were all wanting something to drink. So we are going to do something. Yes. No, mix, because your approach will be different. So, and you don't all know your gift. So it's just find, find a couple of people here. And if you, can't, if you don't, then just go on your own. It's better you don't go on your own. But just it's anything that God tells you. You may want to go and just go down the road to one of the stores and pay for somebody's groceries. It might just be $20 or I don't know. But let's just do something because that's what we commissioned is to go and do. If you look at God, two-thirds of his name is go, G-O, and then do it backwards, it's do. So that's what we're going to do. Even if it's just walking up and down and praying, then let's do that. That's for next week. So we're going to come here at 7. We're going to pray together. And then we're going to leave. And then we're going to come back at 10 till 7 or quarter till, oh, to 8. Quarter to 8. 7.45. 7.50. Even if we go a little bit over next week, it doesn't matter. And then let's hear whether you got told you were a pervert or whether... <laughs> Poor Jerry. Those that don't know, he went to put the carts back for everybody and was helping everyone, and they reported him inside saying he was a perv. <laughs> or he was, it was suspicious, sorry, that he was suspicious. So I'm going to ask you now just quickly to find a group or find people that you want to get with for next week. If it's just you and your wife, that's fine. If you feel you don't want to be with your spouse and venture out, it doesn't matter. There's no... So if we can just take five minutes to get together and liaise with each other and go, well, what are we going to do? Even if you feel you need to just come to the building and pray, I'm happy with that. So who are you going to get with? Doesn't matter how big the group is. Thanks, Roddy. <laughs>